The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Who are you bringing in? I don't know who you're bringing in. Who do you want to bring in? I would bring in anyone normal. A striking national address from President Biden defending his age and his memory. I'm the most qualified person in this country to be president of the United States and finish the job I started. The events and the election in nine months. Alex Thompson of Axios joins us. No Democrat I talked to felt that he did himself any favors. The stock market rallying thanks to America's largest companies. The S&P 500 flirts with a key milestone. Why that should matter to you with technician Katie Stockton. 4,000 kind of blew right through that. 3,000 did the same. So I don't think it's a really big threshold except psychologically. Plus, big investments in chips, the semiconductor kind. We don't have five to seven, do we? No. Nothing close. Nope leads us to big questions about the future of technology. Most of the super, super smart people in the world are not super, super, super bad because they can take their smarts and use them for good things. (laughs) And technology's risk to humanity. You have lots of people who can do super, super bad things with this help of being super, super smart. You have a super, super problem. But darkness and light, yin and yang, we still have time for the other kind of chips. Is there anything, something ending in toes that you don't like? Tostitos, Doritos, Cheetos, Fritos. It's Friday, February 9th, 2024, and a very busy Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning on this Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin, along with Joe Kernan. Melissa Lee oh is with God. us today, oh hanging God. out. Becky's off. Melissa's here. The White House announcing it is allocating $5 billion more in funding from the Chips and Science Act. This is meant for workforce development and training and to help set up a public-private partnership that's going to lead to the creation of a National Semiconductor Technology Center. Awards for big-name companies like Intel and Taiwan Semi are still on the way. The Commerce Department saying those should arrive in about six to eight weeks. And speaking of chips... Here's a headline for you. OpenAI CEO Sam Altman reportedly wants to shake up that industry in a very big way. The Wall Street Journal reporting that Altman now speaking to investors about an effort to increase global chip building capacity. The cost, the price tag, how much he's looking to raise, potentially as much as $7 trillion. That's with a T, trillion dollars. The drive would be a boon for Altman's own company and uh, its appetite for top-of-the-line computing technology and processing power, the journal saying, Altman has spoken with investors from the United Arab Emirates. Well, I, I mean, we, we know that some of those Middle Eastern companies are, you know, they're oil rich. But, you know, I, I need five to seven trillion. I'm talking to the UAE. Um, right. well, I mean, we don't have five to seven trillion, do we? No. Nothing close. Nope. I mean, I, I just think it's funny to say, well, you know, he wants to raise five to seven trillion. He's even talking to the United Arab Emirates it's, about that. I mean, what would they be good for? Showing, well, yeah. What would they be good for? Uh, out of the five to seven trillion, uh, I mean, are we talking about a billion? What's that? One gazillionth of seven trillion? What's a billion? It's, is that seven thousand billion? Well, you need a few of them. It's seven. It's <laughs> se- uh, seven trillion is seven thousand billion, Andrew. Yeah. 
supposedly. Seven. <laughs> I mean, you look, you know. It's, uh, you need scientific notation. Your point is that it's unlikely. No, I just thought, I think it's funny to say, well, Sam's serious about this. He's even talking to the UAE. I know they got a lot of oil money, but five to seven trillion, you're talking, a, that would be a global mm-hmm. initiative that would need a consortium of the richest countries in the world to get anywhere close to that. What, what, what's our debt now? 30, 33 trillion, right? 33, 34. Right. Shares of Expedia are tumbling this morning. CEO Peter Kern announcing that he is resigning after four years in the role. Ariane Gorin will take over. She's been with the company for more than a decade, was most recently president of Expedia for Business. Before that, she was an executive at Microsoft. Expedia chairman Barry Diller said the company wanted an internal candidate, determined that Gorin was the best candidate given her exemplary leadership. The company also reported earnings and revenue that beat analyst estimates, but it warned that revenue growth will moderate this year's airfares drop and said the grounding of Boeing 737 MAX 9 fleet is weighing on bookings, that taking the shares lower by 14%. Look for the read-throughs, too, on booking as well as Airbnb. Can you help me, Sorkin, with, yep. with the, the AI future and what it means for companies like, like Expedia? Is it, can they use AI? Or they does are it, trying to use does AI. It, so right does now AI been, supplant the need for them? Into the phone. So they've built they've okay. built it rather into their app. So they don't go away with the AI because you, no, you could get, you could still... say give me a good vacation to Iceland and, and it could come back with something for you, right? But then you use Expedia to, to well, do the booking. Well, that's the thing you're going to use. You're going to whether you're using ChatGPT or the new Gemini Advanced or whatever it is, you're going to then use an API into. You don't need to know about APIs. You it's going to say okay, we need to get a plane, and the way we're going to get a plane depending on the price is maybe through Expedia. The, the issue is that if you're using a third-party chat GPT system, mm-hmm. depending on how it all works, it eventually may start to look for the better price, may start to look for how you're going to use I, your I miles. I don't see why it doesn't and do so what it, Expedia it does. does disintermediate. That's what I mean. Well, I still think you're probably going to need somebody to act, you need some you service need where you're, you're going to need some service where you're buying the actual product from. And that's where they have an advantage. They also, by the way, have remarkable data and that data might be able to feed the, the AI in a way that an AI on its own might not. That would be the... You think AI is going to replace everything? That would be the pro argument. Worried about... You? Yeah, yeah. Replacing you? Yeah. yeah. No, um, <laughs> we'll talk about the chips later. I, I'm fascinated by that. When you talk about investments and things, you usually don't talk about seven trillion dollars that that is deep and, and it just shows you I'm talking about that's what Sam Alton thinks you'd need to really yep. build out AI that's a lot of power a lot of computing power that's human level sentience that yeah. it, that is coming soon and then I'm worried again then I get scared again not just for me for all of us mankind for hunter killers coming down to make sure that all the the hydrocarbon based or carbohydrate based life forms are gone that we don't no longer necessary because they're costly and you got to feed them and they, they have waste and all the things that humans all of our frailties machines aren't going to like those Andrew that's what you worry about I do well not for me so much oh, I don't worry for about your children I worry about you bad don't people no I worry about right now for a bad They're worried person. about Trump winning the election when they have some deep fakes that come in that no, no, from AI. That's your biggest no. near-term concern. Right now, there are bad people in the world who, it's usually hard, if, if you're, let's say it this way, there are super smart people in the world. Yes. Most of the super, super smart people in the world are not super, super, super bad. 
for the most part, because they can take their smarts and use them for good things. <laughs> Okay. You, you just need one. Are you giving me a life lesson? Super, super smart right. person who is bad me a life bought lesson. by money. Of course. But there's also a lot of other people who feel left behind, who are very prepared to do very, very bad things, but may not be currently able to do those bad things at scale because they may not be as super, super smart. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the circumstance that they're in. Nonetheless, if you add AI to that, mm -hmm. And then you have lots of people who can do super, super bad things with this help of being super, super smart. You have a super, super problem. Well, you know, that that's to me the bigger problem. There's a reason the clock is at 30 seconds till midnight. And shares of Pinterest. It's fun to get back into these things we can get our, our arms around. That's why you love your show so much, I think. All about trading. Just trading, right? You don't have to worry about these, these big things, the no, state we, of the of country. We, we talk about these things as well. The state of the country for the next four years, given these in, two? In different, in different <laughs> formats, yes. Okay. How it impacts We're, sectors like healthcare, et cetera. Okay. Pinterest, uh, shares, <laughs> Pinterest shares are lower. Earnings of 53 cents a share beat estimates, but revenue fell short. Monthly active users rose 11% to $498 million. That was above estimates, but average revenue per user uh, was only $2, and that was $0.05 cents below estimates. In the current quarter, uh, forecast that came in weaker than expected. The stock initially sank as much as 28% in after hours, but rebounded after CEO Bill Reddy announced a third-party uh, app integration with Google. I'm pleased to announce our next third-party ads integration with Google. This partnership will focus on monetizing several of our currently unmonetized international markets by enabling ads to be served on Pinterest via Google's ad manager. We went live a couple weeks ago, and this is starting to ramp. That was during the analyst call, and it paired those losses uh, to some extent. Yesterday, President Biden uh, responding to a report from special counsel Robert Hur and taking questions from the media uh, about his memory, including this one from Fox's Peter Ducey. How totally bad up. is your memory, and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad, I let you speak. That's uh, that's. Do you that's feel your memory has gotten worse, Mr. No, President. My memory is not good. My memory is fine. My memory. Take a look at what I've done since I've become president. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? You know, I guess I just forgot what was going on. But a few moments later, uh, after that exchange, President Biden referred to uh, Egypt's president as the president of Mexico. We're going to talk more about uh, that news conference with Axios reporter. Alex Thompson, it, it's an, we have an existential problem here. In, in, it, it, we have two bad, you got one option and then the other's worse. And I, I do, I'm a little bit unhappy with some of the people that, that maybe you associate with that, that, that thought that Kamala Harris was, was the right move. Because I, I, we have, there's no fallback, Andrew, right now. And I don't think you can, you can't, go, you can't get rid of her. You can't go around her, can you? What would you do? What should Democrats do right now? Help me, because it's, it's, we're, we're in desperate Well, I times. think the problem is that there is this bizarre stalemate going on, and it's, it's a game of chicken between the Republicans and the Democrats. And I think that's, that is the, that's been the fundamental problem the whole time, which is to say that you have these two candidates who are ultimately quite flawed. Nobody's saying that they're not flawed. But I will say that if I think there's a view that if, if, if one candidate wasn't there, then another candidate wouldn't be there. And that's and I really? you don't think so? No, I don't I think do. I don't think the Democratic Party. She's paid her dues. She's 
you know, she was vice president. She's next in line. She's the, the heir to if, if something. And I think. Of course she is, but what do you. But I think something might finally, this, you know, it's bending, bending, bending. Some, it, it may break watching President Biden at this point. I, I just don't, you know, we're talking about uh, the election's not for another year. And then four years after that, he's going to be in, you know, dealing with these, the hardest job, hardest problems any individual can deal with. And it's kind of just sad to, you know, I just. You know what I'm Look, saying. Look, I think it's a problem, but that's what, but it's a problem. Who? Who? Then who are you bringing in? I don't know who you're bringing in. We have Mark Warner on who that. Who do you I, want to bring in? I would you, bring in who, anyone normal. Who, who are you ready to vote for? You could come up with a few. I was trying to think of some Democrats, and there, yeah. there's a couple I could think of. That you'd and vote there's for. plenty of Republicans I as could As top think of the ticket or, or as VP? No, as top of the ticket. Plenty I could think of. Okay. I, that's plenty what I said. I'm, I'm pining for the days of HWO, of good old... You know, read my lips, no new taxes. Bill Clinton. I mean, yeah, you'd vote for Bill? Anyone that just seems kind of like, you know, wouldn't you? I don't know. What, what, what about if Obama about? were to come back? And don't, you would don't, not. Don't I know. put me See, there. I knew, I don't, knew don't put me there. There's right? someone you can, that's yeah, there is, there's someone you can pick that, that, that I would even say I'd rather right. have these two. And he might, that might be there. Which uh, Obama? We'll continue, we'll, we'll continue this conversation. Next on Squawk Pod, digging deeper into that presidential press conference and the special counsel's report on classified documents. With Axios national political correspondent Alex Thompson. This was uncomfortable, but also I think a very infuriating day for the White House that felt that this report should have never happened, that the investigation should never have gone to a special counsel. Plus, what the Democrats' options are if President Biden withdrew from the 2024 race. That's all right after this. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that... That's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Extra, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe. His mic. Q. Welcome back to Squawk Box uh, here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin and Melissa Lee. Becky, obviously, is off today. President Biden uh, yesterday responding to a report from special counsel Robert Herr uh, and defending his memory. I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president. I put this country back on its feet. I'm the most qualified person in this country to be president of the United States and finish the job I started. Uh, but later in the news conference, uh, the president referred to Egypt's president uh, as the president of Mexico. Joining us now is Alex Thompson, a national political uh, response, uh, correspondent for Axios. Uncomfortable day just uh, for, for everyone uh, yesterday, Alex. I felt un- uncomfortable. 
the, the initial um, re report came out and the president responded to it and then they, they trotted him back out. They had to uh, later in the night. And they, that, they're loath to do that, especially when there's questions following it, but they almost had to, it was so bad. Well, and you got the sense that Joe Biden really wanted to. I mean, what we saw, you know, Joe Biden infamously has a pretty, uh, pretty large temper behind closed doors. That's what you saw on display last night. That was angry Biden, um, as some of his staff sometimes refer to that sort of mode. And so th that was one of those things. I mean, to your point, they rarely have Biden go out there. He rarely does press conferences. And he especially very rarely does them televised, you know, late at night. And that's partly because aides have noted that he can at times get tired. He'll make more mental flubs. So his stutter will sort of recur um, when he's a bit tired. And you saw that last night, too, because even as he went out, uh, you know, no Democrat I talked to felt that he did himself any favors. Um, obviously, he came out and gave a forceful defense. Um, he called out the special counsel for saying that uh, he didn't remember when his son Bo had died. I can tell you that at a house retreat earlier in the day, he uh, he very angrily told some Democratic members of Congress that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, how the F uh, do you think that I don't remember the day my son died? Um, so this was really white hot rage. But also he ended up at the very end making another flub when he didn't when he confused who the president of Mexico and the president of Egypt was. And that comes the whole context of this is that this comes in the same week where Joe Biden has made a number of errors when talking about uh, world leaders that have died many years before some of the events that he has described. He mixed up uh, Fre former French President Mitterrand with French President Macron. He did the exact same thing also with uh, the Chancellor of Germany. So this was uncomfortable, um, but also I think a very infuriating day for the White House that felt that this report should have never happened, that the investigation should never have gone to a special counsel, which would have meant that it would have just been closed quietly with no charges. Yeah, there was some gratuitous nastiness in, in the report. I, I, I agreed with that uh, to some extent, but the, the point that the individual was trying to make was that the, the actual treatment of, of the documents was careless and all the photos that we saw. So there's, there's no doubt whether or not you, whether or not you would have brought the case, whether you had right. enough to actually bring the case, but say you're not doing it because a jury won't convict this, this pathetic old guy. I think it's very problematic what, what we actually saw in the report itself, meaning there might have been gratuitous nastiness, nastiness. in it, but there, at the same time, and I say this as somebody who's been on our air and was very critical of President, former President Trump for what we saw, and, and I said it over and over, so let me say it right now, what we saw President Biden do was... It clearly, at least according to that report, not something that was something that was mindless, that but purposeful in the same in in the same way, in right. the same way. I know the pre President Biden would say it was not in the same way, but seemingly to some degree in the same way. Right, those and, and that same. should be troublesome but, right, to anybody. Right. And no matter what your politics are, this should be considered right. a problem. But Alex, he, the president could fall back on there's not an ob an obstruction element to it, whereas maybe the initial acts were similar, but then. Right. Correct. President Trump, so those cancel. That's the diff that is a major distinction. Uh, but you're right. The, the human condition, Alex, it, we're in denial almost. Everybody 
and people age differently. Some guys are in their 90s are just amazing what you see. And there's some people in their 70s that have, that have lost, really lost a step. So it's, it's a human condition. And, and it just, I don't know whether denial is the, uh, I don't know where it leaves Democrats at this point. I don't know what the options are. But it, it's really tough to, 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 to see something that's as clear as, a, you know, plain as the nose on your face and to just keep saying, no, it, it's, it's fine. I think you're both right. Um, and I can tell you that behind closed doors, there is a bit of Joe Biden age denialism. He'll often say frequently, sometimes to the point where people sort of roll their eyes at it, that he feels so much younger than his age. He'll say that he feels so vigorous. And, and some aides sometimes think that he does not quite realize how he can come across to other people. Now, you know, to your point about the problems of this specific case, uh, yes, the the, the circumstances of Donald Trump's handling of classified documents, objectively, completely different. And Robert Herr actually goes into this in the report, basically says that Donald Trump's behavior was very different, of a different kind. That being said, Andrew's completely right that, that he was having classified documents just strewn about in his garage. There were pictures in that report that are, especially when he is now saying that he is the most qualified person to be president, that he often says he's the most experienced person to ever be president, which is true, but then why were you careless with these documents? That's going to be something that's on the trail. And you know, to part of this point of the gratuitousness, what's going to happen, this is not the end. Robert Hur is going to testify in front of Congress, and that is going to be yet another example of this getting in the headlines. And he has to explain to House Republicans why he didn't charge. And he also has to explain to House Democrats why he included all these details. And they may, you know, you're probably going to get a clip of him talking about his interview with Joe Biden and why he described him as sort of a, an old man who was so forgetful. Well, the, the two-tiered justice system, we, we do mention the, you know, maybe there's a different obstruction component, but as Andrew points out, the, the initial act, both of them were pretty similar. Right. One was charged, one wasn't charged, and that's going to play into the that they're picking on, um, on Donald Trump. Absolutely. I mean, this is sort of the worst of both worlds if you're Joe Biden, because they're still saying two-tier justice system, but now they're also saying, you saw this from House leadership, Republican leadership last night, they're saying if you're too you know, enfeebled to be, ch you know, to be charged, then how can you run for the Oval Office? How can you be president for five more years, which is what he's running to do? Right. It's tough watching right now, I can't imagine. And, and, and even versus a year ago, you can see quite a bit of, of change, uh, or two years ago uh, with Joe Biden. You can see quite, quite a, a bit of change. So what does that leave? What are the options uh, being talked about behind closed doors, Alex, and, and with Democrats? I mean, they don't really have any options. You, uh, let's say, you know, obviously some people talk about this sort of wistful scenario, right, where Joe Biden decides for the good of the country or, or for his own sake or to stop Donald Trump that he withdraws. OK, let's say that that happens. And Joe Biden is the only one that can make that decision. Um, he is going to be the nominee as long as he stays in this race. But there are the party could potentially tear itself apart if he were to do that, because the primaries are already over, like enough primaries in order to get the nomination. So that means you're heading to a convention fight. Now, Democrats have scheduled their convention for mid-August, which means that you would have a nominee just four weeks before some early voting starts. They, they would only have four weeks to introduce themselves to the country. Also, in the convention floor, 
in Chicago with the migrant crisis, with Palestine, Gaza, almost certainly to be going on, the party could really tear itself apart trying to find a nominee. So that's the, I mean that that's the other option here. Um, obviously, the vice you know Biden could also say um, you know I really think that Vice President Kamala Harris is the person, uh, and that would make a you know a big difference. But these both those scenarios, a lot of Democrats think are much worse. So yeah. the the, the yeah. thing is that a lot of people say you know all steam ahead. We gotta that's this is our sounds guy. like it sounds like weekend at Bernie. So it's like it just is that to have to fall back on. If there was ever a no labels uh, possibility, it's not. The, it can never happen. I don't think. I guess it's. It's just a. It's a fool's errand. But you know, Hogan Mansion. I, there, there are. There are like normal people out there. I don't know if they're totally normal, but uh, you know who is. But but it, nothing like that could happen. Could it, could it? And Kamala Harris. They they'd rather run Biden than Kamala Harris. I think. I mean, it is really striking. I remember the New York Times swing state poll that really started a lot of this polling anxiety with Joe Biden. It is interesting. If you actually look in that polling, which showed Joe Biden significantly down in the swing states, Kamala, because of some of the concerns with his age and because of his uh, you know, poor polling with younger voters, Kamala Harris actually was polling better in those swing states than Joe Biden. That is the level of concern there is about Joe Biden doing this job for more years. Now, to your point about no labels, I still remain highly skeptical of this. There's yeah. been no successful third party since the Republican Party started in 1860. Even Teddy Roosevelt, a former president, couldn't do it in 1912. I also think sort of centrism in this age of polarized politics, I just think that there's a limitation to how much voter share that can get. So it's really possible uh, Donald Trump, President Trump, or former President Trump could be in for four more years. And I don't know what that what kind of country this is going to be with, with, with that happening, with with the level of, uh, of vitriol and, and everything else, Alex. It's, it's just none of it makes me that. But it's Friday and Pepsi <laughs> sent me a bunch of Doritos and stuff for the Super Bowl because so you're happy. I'm happy about that. Should you disclose that? You yeah, they I said mean, they sent it to you. You. We don't need to talk about what you did with it, but I gave it away. You gave it away. I gave it away. You gave you gave, gave it, it away. away you gave you like the giving I, pledge. You like the giving pledge. You like Warren Buffett. I, I gave it away. You like gave it away. You like the giving. You like the giving. I did not give it away. I tried every single thing they sent me. My only problem was trying. I don't have enough of those things to put on the top to keep things fresh because I had like clips. You have so many. I have so many bags that I wanted to try, and I liked them all. I did. Anything ending in toes, I like. Cheese will be next. Still to come on Squawk Pod, unpacking the trends behind the S&P's 5,000 milestone with market technician Katie Stockton. It's important, really. Look at Japan right now. Look at Europe on the verge of new all-time highs. So the breadth has been such that not only has it expanded from those mega caps to other sectors and stocks of the market, but also overseas. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.
Welcome back to Squawk Pod, where we're talking market technicals, in particular this week's milestone for the S&P 500. Now, it's a market cap weighted index of the 500-ish biggest corporations in the U.S., and it's a pretty good gauge of the health and performance of all American equities. And for the first time in history, this index touched a value level of 5,000. That number is derived by multiplying the market capitalization of each company in the index by the total number of shares out in the hands of shareholders. Some companies are weighted more than others, but they're all in this basket together. The S&P 500's last big market milestone was in April 2021, when the index first hit 4,000 and kept climbing for a little over a year, at least. 2022 was a volatile year across the board for the stock markets. But after the S&P hit 4,000 again in March last year, it hasn't looked back. So now, at 5,000, will the market shy away from its mark? This time, the push is driven by a few select, some might say magnificent, stocks. NVIDIA and Facebook parent Meta are at the top of that list. These stocks have done so well that they've outweighed concerns of high interest rates or inflation or layoffs in the tech industry. We turned to a market technician, someone who studies market trends and statistics. Ooh, sexy. But first, maybe we should get a few snacks, fuel up for the technicals. Here's Joe, Andrew, and Melissa Lee sitting in today. Check out shares of PepsiCo, adjusted earnings of $1.78, a share beating Wall Street estimates by $0.06. Revenue, though, came in below the street's expectation. Frito-Lay North America was also a miss. The revenues there slipped 3%. Uh, Beverages also slipped. Quaker Oats was a huge decline versus what was expected, which is up 3%. So we're watching PepsiCo shares down by 1.6% in the pre-market session. Yes, uh, I don't know whether, uh, it's not a zero-sum game. It doesn't mean Coke's doing better, and they're different companies, uh, really. But uh, I think, I do think Pepsi on Super Bowl. We, I can't help it. Because as Super you say, you like everything with toes. Anything ending in toes. Is there anything with something ending in toes that you don't Tostitos. like, except smelly toes or something? I'm a Tostitos guy. You don't Tostitos, Cheetos. Doritos, Cheetos, Fritos. It goes on and but on and on. Tostitos are at the top of the list. They are, they're phenomenal. Tostitos. Tostitos are the win for the Just win. Just plain Tostitos. Yes. I don't know. That's some With good, some good salsa. They've done and some, guac. You know, I know you like innovation in AI and all that stuff, but the, the innovation, in, innovation in Fritos has been pretty staggering really? for the last, yeah, for the last couple of years. What, like barbecue? Chili cheese, oh, uh, chili cheese. twisty, uh, honey barbecue, some really good stuff. Good stuff. Good for you, too. I'm Take a look I'm, at... I'm, uh, I'm a classic kind of guy. I just like the... You like the Tostitos? You, you, you put salsa on them, right? I like... I, from a you, jar? Like from a... Yeah, but hot, I'm not... And hot, talk, mild, or medium. About, hot, but talking about the innovation... Restaurant style? I never loved the chip that became like a cup. A scoop. The scooper. I don't like those good? either. I don't know. I just like the regular chip. I don't I'm need again, more. Classic. You know, the, the scoops can avoid double dipping, though, because you get enough on the first one. Maybe scoops for a party setting? Flat ones for personal use. That's a good, we'd solve a lot That's of problems right. I mean, here. Right here. Let's take a look at the technicals. Join us now, Katie Stockton, Fairlead Strategies founder, managing partner, and a CNBC uh, contributor, and she actually admits that that, that uh, she contributes here. Five thousand. Um, is that a resistance level now? No. What's the resistance level? In uh, well, S&P? I looked back at past sort of round numbers like this in a very non-scientific study and found that it did not act as resistance in the past. So 4,000 kind of blew right through that. 
3,000 did the same. So I don't think it's a really big threshold except psychologically. Although I have to say, remember when Treasury yields inched up around 5%, that did become a, a resistance level, of course, for yields. So there are times at which those round numbers matter a whole lot. But in this case, I don't think so. We still have such strong momentum behind the market across time frames, and uh, I think that's what we want to respect. The, it's been confounding a little bit. I wonder about the sentiment. Is it positive now? Because all last year it was negative, and we, we, we love walls of worry and, and things like that. Sentiment gets too positive. You have to worry. But lately there's been, I will say, like negative news in the market just seems to melt up by, by the end of the session. Like 150 points on the Dow is just like, the Dow seems to be good for that almost every day for the last six weeks. You know, I, I think you can see that the sentiment isn't overwhelmingly bullish in the small caps, right? Or surrounding the small caps that you all have been showing a lot of guests that, that talk about breath being so negative. Quite frankly, it's really not that bad. We've seen digestion in those breath metrics, which is very natural after a very, very strong breath surge in Q4. So that bearishness, that bearish camp is sort of gravitating towards the area of the market that's not working, which has been small caps, but really only for a couple of few weeks. And I think that within the next week or so, we will see Treasury yields probably top out in this oversold sort of relief rally that they've had, and that could occur to the benefit of the small caps. And all of a sudden, we'll look back and say, well, that, that's a pretty good entry. The Magnificent Seven went to the, the Sexy Six, to the Fantastic Five, or was it Fantastic? What's the superhero? I have no fantastic? idea what you're talking about. I think they the magnificent, the, uh, the biggest uh, market cap companies in the market. Just some of them have fought. We had to, you weren't here. We had the discussion earlier this week that it's no longer seven stock. What do we decide on? There's four or five now, Andrew, in the Magnificent Seven. The Fancy Four. Fancy, fancy oh, fancy, fancy four. Fancy four. Does that matter? There, you know, we've it, dropped out. Of, the leadership listen, is narrowed, hasn't it? We still it? have very good leadership, but what we've seen is expansion in leadership on the sector front, especially if you look at the top sectors year to date. It includes healthcare. And that's sort of a new um, sort of arrival on that front. So as long as we have that breath expansion on the sector front, I think it's an uptrend that can sustain itself. Financials have really kicked in. Again, the bearish camp is gravitating towards the regional banks and the pullback there. But if you look at the broader financial benchmarks, they're still very, you know, very strong. I mean, the, the market has continued to, to trade higher as the uh, that really dovish scenario that Six weeks ago, people were talking, you know, seven cuts starting in March. That's off the table. And you saw Jay Powell on 60 Minutes. The markets continue to higher. What does it say about the 10-year? What, what, what's the, is the, four and a half in the cards or three and a half? I would say low threes is very doable why? from a technical perspective. I, I don't know why, and that's, that's the hard part. <laughs> it's just that the, the jobs market is so strong and the GDP numbers are so strong. I don't know why yields would go down. So for, for me, from my perspective, there's a very meaningful loss of upside momentum that we've seen there. I don't think this is a secular downshift. I think we've seen a secular upshift. In yields. In yields, right? I think this is something that could be impactful this year, maybe some, you know, into next year to some degree, based on our indicators. That loss of long-term upside momentum 
is such that it could be maybe nine, 12 months before we get sort of a low in yield. So we, we're seeing this as corrective, but something that should persist. And if support, which is roughly about 3.8 to 3.9 right now, is broken, then the low threes would be Well, unless we get a really more inverted yield curve, then the short end is going to have to come down, and we're going to have to have the cuts that are now off the table. So they could be back on the table, in your view? I, I, well, I don't know, again, but, you know, I... <laughs> It's good to be a technician. I know. Because things are <laughs> terrible. That's what I mean. Right. So In the recession's off the table now, unless it's, unless it, now, now one can happen, since no one's expecting it. You know, it. I just look at it from a technical perspective, from a trend-falling perspective, and it's been really helpful over time to judge these momentum shifts, and it's a pretty meaningful one at that. 5% psychologically significant, that makes sense as well. So we want to, you know, sort of view this relief rally that we have seen in yields as something that will be temporary, somewhat fleeting. The resistance for the 10-year is roughly 435 to 440. So below that level, we're looking for them to roll. So at 25,000 on Bitcoin, you said, well, it looks like we do 30. And then if we get through 30, 36 is next. If we get through 36, we hit, and, and it all happened uh, leading up to the ETF, um, which happened at about 47,000. What was that for the last month after the ETF? So some selling yeah, on the news, had, consolidation? Well, we a, yeah, there was definitely a sell the news event there, and we got a proper pullback out of the cryptocurrencies more broadly. And actually, we saw that shift, remember, into Ether in relative mm. terms. I thought that was interesting. Both Ether and Bitcoin have avoided what could have been reversals of their intermediate term uptrends, not the long-term improvement, that's, that's preserved, but they were testing some support just really over the past few days. So this rebound that we've seen preserves that support and tells us that risk on sentiment is still very alive and well in that space. Katie, I'm curious, you know, we, we've been through much of earnings season and it is not uncommon nowadays to see huge spikes on the back of news. And I'm wondering what your take is on this and if there's any sort of significance. It seems to happen across, I mean, you had Meta, you had GM, you had Expedia last night. It seems like every single night there's these arm, of course, right. massive right. moves. And Cloudflare, I think, mm -hmm. today. Right. It, it is wild. So the uptrends have given way to gaps up. And usually when you see a gap up in a strong trend, uptrend, it can be exhaustive. But what we've seen from this market is that the gaps are being preserved. So Meta is a great example of that. It hasn't fallen back into the earnings-driven gap up. Mm -hmm. And that suggests that momentum's strong at the, and that prices can go higher. So we like to look at that gap after an earnings report or something about of that Tesla nature or Apple? as support. Tesla or Apple? That's Tesla, why I was asking. Tesla's a breakdown. So breakdown. That, yeah, so if any would get knocked out of that, that's that what I mean, yeah. seven, Sexy right? Sexy six? Um, <laughs> or can we get, can you, is it five? Are the two that are I, out? Know, How's no. Apple? Fancy four, fancy five. I think we're at six still. I like sexy six. Just sexy be six. Be able to use the word sex. Um, <laughs> is, uh, what about Apple? Apple going to lead us higher? So Apple is, of all of them, sort of disadvantaged from an intermediate term momentum perspective. We're bullish short term Apple. There's a, an oversold upturn that we want to take advantage of. If it can get through the final resistance, which is about 198 on the chart, that would be a major breakout. But if we can take a moment and look outside of the U.S., look at Japan right now. Look at Europe on the verge of new all-time highs. So the breadth has been such that not only has it expanded from those mega caps to other sectors and stocks of the market, but also overseas, which I think is, is a good thing. It's kind of nice to be able to just talk technicals. I thought you were going to say something about like the economies of, of <laughs> Europe and Japan, but you didn't. You You're just talking about not yeah, to do yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> just going to be, and, and that, that's safer. You don't really have to 
you know, right. fundamentals are controversial. I, you know, I was thinking Sexy Six may not be family friendly, so I consulted my Super friends at ChatGPT, which you know I like to do. Yeah. They're, they like the Sassy Six. Sassy Six mm. is good. The Swanky Six. Swanky six. The sensational six. Do you really think sexy is a, six. does sexy have a bad connotation? Keep, Sizzling six. If you keep I like, I like sensational. This, if yeah. they all break down at some point, what do you call them? I I have an They're stocks. They're they not are. magnificent. They're not sexy. They're not sassy. They are stocks and they perform as they do. And when they stop performing, then what, what, what do you do? Not fun. What a party pooper. Sorry. On a Friday. On a Friday even, on a the Super Bowl. Bowl Friday. Come on. I think, uh, yeah, she's NFL, no fun uh-huh. league. <laughs> uh-huh. I think sexy's okay in that kind of I think sensational is the, the word. Sensational? Yeah. Sensational. 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 sensational sex. Sensational. Nvidia definitely qualifies If you sensationalize something, you're doing what Melissa just said we're doing. We're sensational. You're casting sassy judgment six. on the a group sassy of six. Us. The sassy six, they got a little sass. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard a laugh from you like that ever in the history of Squawk Box. A little, a little sass. God, it's <laughs> Friday morning. I hope that's on tape. That's going to be in your little, highlight reel. A little bit of sass on a Friday morning. People. Twelve years. I, ha- I like to take you've some credit wait, for this. You've been waiting I like for me to laugh. Twelve on years for- out of the shell after twelve years. Maybe it's you. I don't know. <laughs> there it is. I was good. God, I'm okay. thrilled. <laughs> That's Squawk Pod for today and for the week. Thank goodness it's Friday. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Big thanks to Melissa Lee for sitting in today. Enjoy your Super Bowl parties, your chips and dips, and tune in to Squawk Box Monday morning or any morning on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And get the best of our TV show right in your ears when you follow Squawk Pod wherever you listen. Have a great weekend. We'll meet you back here on Monday. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. That, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com.